0: Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Isaiah, chapter 41. When I left the service last Sunday evening, many times I leave and uh, I might spend several days trying to, to discern what God's will would be for the next message, but when I left... I didn't know what events might transpire during the week. I'm not a fortune teller. There's no way I can possibly know the future, so I didn't know what might happen. And uh, at that point, I didn't really know exactly what I was going to preach, but I knew what verses I was going to be preaching from. And I want you to notice two verses here in Isaiah chapter number 41, verse 10. I want to speak to you this morning about our hope of help. He says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now verse number 14, Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The very first words in both of these verses should get our attention. They ought to be a cause for consideration of what follows And in the light of this wicked world that we live in, uh, fear not, just almost seems impossible. Oh, we struggle with this uh, problem and that problem and we see evil abounding all around us and, and we know from what the Bible says that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse so we know it's not going to get any better until until Christ comes. And in dealing with that every day, it's so easy for us to get overwhelmed by our fears. And that ought to make these verses of special interest to each and every one of us. The text begins here with a divine proclamation. He says, fear not. And just looking at those two words, I see a command, fear not. He's not giving you a suggestion. He's telling you, Fear not. So we see a command. We also see compassion. You'll notice there in verse fourteen where he says thou worm Jacob. We are totally undeserving of God's blessings, and were it not for grace, we would have no helper. So we see compassion and counsel and a challenge, a calls for courage, a calls for comfort. And I say it's a challenge because there's always something pushing us to our limit. Always something that pressures us to the point that we wonder to ourselves, can I bear up any longer under this? There's challenges that we are totally unable to cope with on our own. But I want you to notice how quickly this problem The problem of fear is followed by a promise. Notice he says, fear thou not. And then immediately he says, for I am with thee. This is the promise of God's presence. That's what gives us the hope of help or you could say the help of hope. Because when you don't have hope, you're helpless. The problem is, although he says, notice, I am with thee, sometimes we act as though he isn't. He says, I'm with thee, and and there are some folks, for all practical purposes, they act like God is dead, or mighty sick, or weak, or that he's nowhere around. That you can't find him whenever you need him, that, you know... That's their attitude. They act like everything depends on man. I've, you know, I've got this problem. I don't know how I'm going to solve it. I need somebody to help me. And we act like that. You know, if we can't solve it, it'll never get solved. And we're overwhelmed with fear. It's a frightful foe that badgers us day and night. And that, listen, that's a serious struggle because whenever we become fearful, we begin to do some really foolish things just out of fear. We don't know how to cope. And so, you know, we just depend on human reasoning and that always leads us astray. And so instead of us thinking about what can I do or how can others help me, we need to think more about what God can do. Amen. If We'll keep that in mind while well, we'll be able to conquer the fear that tortures us. And Amen. And here he's giving us the The assurance of His aid. He's giving us freedom from fear. I can't even begin to tell you how many times in my life, and I know you could say the same, the many times in my life that I, I have found myself in need of this precious promise. You know, I am with Thee. I'm with Thee. You're not alone. You don't have to depend upon what you can do or what others can do for you. I am with you. Maybe a little bit of history will help us to really uh, appreciate what he's saying here. This was spoken to Israel at a time of great need. If you go back and read this, especially chapter number 39 and, and those before it, you'll see that that judgment had been pronounced upon them. God had announced that they are going to be conquered, they're going to be captured, they're going to be sent into captivity to Babylon because of their sins. And no doubt some of those people felt like our world has come to an end. Think about it. Facing, facing 70 long years in exile. They know their life will never be the same again, driven from their homeland, separated from their families. You try to imagine how discouraging that must have been. During Ike, we were out of our home for 54 days because of the flood, and then of course during Harvey, it was about six months, we were out of our home, but we had a nice comfortable place to be, so... We didn't have any reason to complain. And now we've got another issue that we're dealing with. But that's nothing. Nothing compared to what those people were going through. Seventy years. We're talking about a generation. We're talking about people that know when they leave there, they'll never be able to return. When They're separated from their loved ones that they'll never see them again. In other words, they they are no doubt imagining this is just as bad as it can get. And no sooner does he give that announcement than we come to chapter number 40, verse 1, and the Lord says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. I still remember the first time that I preached from that verse many long years ago. I was in Tennessee and after the service I'd preached on that verse and there was the elder deacon there in that church came up to me and he was crying his eyes out and he grabbed me and hugged me and just just clinging to me and I, I had no idea what in the world was going on. And he said, "Preacher, he said, you'll never know how much that sermon meant to me because all we've been hearing from preachers before is you need to do this and you need to do that, and and rebuking us, and nobody has tried to to comfort us. And I'm sure that I've failed as a pastor many times to do what I could to, to comfort people. But sometimes, sometimes we forget about the great need of people." In their comfort. And the Lord has just pronounced this judgment upon them 70 years of exile. And then He turns right around and says to the preacher, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. I'm glad that whatever we're going through, the Bible describes God as the God of all comfort. Think about that. When Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, he described him like that. The God of all comfort. I don't have time to give you all the details here, but here's a summation here in chapter number 41. The first seven verses, we see adversity pictured. In verse 8 and 9, we see the aim of his promise to aid Verse number 10, the first part of it, we see the promise that He gives to aid us, and then the last part, the aid that He promises to give us. And that's what I want you to look at. What God has promised to do. The problem is pictured in that one little word, fear. Fear is is a foe of man, and a foe that we've had to face ever since the ever since the fall. You know, sometimes we try to imagine what it would have been like to be Adam and Eve and here in this perfect environment and everything is just exactly like it ought to be. And suddenly, you know, sin enters into the world and when sin enters into the world, Adam becomes fearful and he hid himself and God comes walking, as it were, in the garden and says, Adam, where art thou? And Adam said, I hid myself. He said, For I was afraid. I wonder how he felt. Remember, he has never been afraid before, he has never known fear up to this point. Until sin entered into the world, he had not known anything about fear. All he had known is the peace of God. You get up every day and the birds are singing and the flowers are blooming and everything is perfect. But now, all of a sudden, with no enemy actually in sight, he is filled with fear and he hides himself there in the garden. And of all things, he's hiding himself from God. And that's what sinful man has been doing down through the ages. Running from God instead of running to God. That was the first time that he faced fear, but every person has had to face fear since then. And it's no minor matter. It's a serious struggle that we all go through. And however you you describe it, you can call it anxiety, you can call it worry, whatever it is, it all boils down to the fact that, that we are afraid of something, that there is fear, something that is tormenting us, something that, you know, has sapped us of our courage and left us in need of comfort. So that's the problem pictured, but notice the promised presence. He says, I am with thee. Boy, oh, that deserves a sermon all to itself. Don't ever underestimate the power of that promise. I am with thee. you remember just before the Lord ascended back into heaven, as He gathers that first church together on the hill of ascension, and He gives to them the great commission, go ye into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature, And then he ends by saying, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You see, that was the inspiration for missions. And that's the inspiration for our life and whatever it is that we're going through. The assurance that he will be with us. And he promised, I'll never leave thee, I'll never forsake thee. That wherever you are in life, whatever it is that you're going through as a child of God, you have the assurance that He is there with you. Whether it's the funeral home or the graveside or the hospital bed or the divorce court or wherever it is, He is there with you. You're not in this struggle alone. The problem is fear, but notice we have this wonderful promise. I am with you. Because of that, notice the possibility, the possibility of peace. He says, be not dismayed. That word dismayed it speaks about consternation or distress. It's all about the loss of courage. Sometimes, like I said, peace seems to be impossible. And then we hear someone sing that old song, maybe, you know, God will take care of you. And we get that reminder that we so desperately need. That's what makes worship so very important. Why every Christian ought to be regular in their church attendance. You need that because it gives us the inspiration to to face the struggles of life. The Bible repeatedly speaks of God as being the God of peace. Because He's the God of peace, we can enjoy the peace of God. But you can't have the peace of God until you are at peace with God. So you know the Bible speaks about our Lord reconciling us to God. He is the one that brings us into a state of oneness with God because until a person is saved, they are the enemy of God, whether they think so or not. They are living in rebellion against God because God commands all men everywhere to repent. And until you receive Christ as your Savior, you're living in rebellion against God. But Christ brings us into a state of oneness and, 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 because of that, we can enjoy the peace of God, regardless of what the circumstances are. So many times we think, "Well, preacher, you know, I I, I could just never go through something like that. I, I don't know how I I couldn't continue to live. I, I I I I just couldn't do it." No, you can't, but God can. That's why Paul said, "You know that God's grace was what sufficient. It's sufficient." It. It's enough to get you through whatever you're going through. So if you're a child of God, you have the possibility of peace regardless of what your problem is. But then God does something else. He makes a personal proclamation. Now, He could have very easily just left this out and we'd have had the general content of the thought that's going on here, but He chose to include this personal proclamation. Notice he says, be not dismayed, but he adds, I am thy God. He didn't say, I am a God. He didn't say, I am any God. He didn't say, I am their God. He says, I am thy God. Just two chapters later, he says in Chapter 45 and verse 5, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God besides Me. The God is your God. And let me tell you, if God isn't your Father, you have reason to fear. You've got something to be afraid of. Every unsaved person is abiding presently under the wrath of God. And when they take their last breath, they'll be separated from God forever. But here the Lord is reminding, notice that worm, that unworthy Jacob. Boy, if you know anything about Jacob, you know how unworthy he was. Let me tell you, we're all Jacobs. When Paul said that he was the chief of sinners, let me tell you, we're all the chief of sinners. That's where that's where God finds all of us. And yet the Lord says, I am thy God. To think about God as our Father. Not just, not just the one that created us. Not just the one that provides for us, but He is our Father. The one who loves us so dearly that He promised He would never leave us. That He promised that He would supply every need. And then as we move on from this proclamation, notice the power, the three things here, the power that he provides. First of all, this is the first of three I wills. He says, first of all, I will strengthen thee. Notice that little word, yea. That's the certainty of it. That's God giving us assurance that He's going to do this. He says, I will strengthen thee. An old preacher a couple hundred years ago by the name of John Trapp, he read this and this is what he said, I quote, I will, I will, I will. Oh, the rhetoric of God. Oh, the certainty of the promises. Wow, I mean, it... It hit him right between the eyes and he 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 got it that God three times in a row says, I will this and I will that and I will the other. And the whole point is that God will provide whatever it is that we need and when we need it. And that's why we say, as Paul did, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It's a young Christian under great temptation... I'll never forget getting up from my desk repeatedly during the day and go to the restroom. And I didn't need to go to the restroom for any other reason other than to get away from the guys for a while and get in there. And I have quoted that verse over in my mind, no telling how many thousand times. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I don't have to cave into that temptation. I don't have to give in to that discouragement. I, I, why? Because He has promised that He would strengthen us. And what He's done for others, He'll do for you. Then notice the second, I will. He says, I will help thee. Now we can need help in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we need help when it comes to the matter of strength. As we just mentioned, He said, I will strengthen thee. But sometimes we need help that comes in the form of wisdom. Or maybe we need help whenever it comes to loving our neighbor as we should. Or we need help when it comes to our ability. Sometimes we need help when it comes to the matter of forgiveness. Somebody so offends us, it breaks our fellowship with them. Ruins the relationship. And it's real easy to tell somebody, yes, I forgive you. It's another thing to really do it. And that sometimes we need help being able to forgive others. Sometimes we need courage to just keep going on. But whatever the need is, understand that God says, I'll help you. I'll help you doesn't make any difference. The nature of the problem, it's the power of God that's able to meet that need. And then He says, thirdly, I will uphold Thee. I will uphold Thee. Well, a lot of times we can just feel ourselves walking on the edge, can't we? I mean, we just feel like we are about To fall, you know, we're we're at the point we're about to give into some temptation. We're we're maybe so discouraged that we don't even want to try any longer. We we just want to give up. Turn over to Psalms forty for just a moment, and I want to be closing with this. And this is a section that has meant so much to me over the years, and. Whenever God says, I will uphold thee, I want you to get the complete picture here. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined, that is, He bent down and came down unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. and." He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, and many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Notice, he says, He came down. He inclined. He came down. Aren't you glad that God, looking down upon the this sinful world, that God was so moved with compassion that He came down in the form of a man. He came to us. And we couldn't... As Squire Parsons says, whenever we couldn't go to Him, He came to us. And then it says, notice, He not only came down, but He brought me up. He describes His condition as being in this this awful, deep, dark, miry pit. And He says, He brought me up. I'm so thankful for that pit of sin that God brought me up out of. He brought me up. And notice then it says, He put my feet on a solid rock. In other words, He set me up. He brings us up and He sets us up. And then He keeps us up. He established our going. He keeps us up. And then He tunes us up. He puts a new song in our mouth. even praise unto our God. And then He lights us up in the sense we become light to others. He said, and many shall see it And as a result of what they see in us, the result of what they see in those that God has helped, those that God has delivered, the result of that is they see the difference that Christ can make and all of a sudden, they desire to have a relationship with this God that they've known nothing about. Boy, whenever I... First started attending church, the invitation of a friend. Uh, I didn't have any idea what to expect. I just knew I was in desperate need of help. I needed to change, and I knew I couldn't do it on my own. He finally convinced me, come on, go to church. So I started going to church and and hearing things I'd never heard before. I had I had no idea that, that God... As a kid, I thought surely there must be a God because I look at the stars at night and I've laid out in the backyard at night in the summertime and, and look up at the stars and realize surely there must be a God, but I didn't know anything about Him. I'd never read the Bible, didn't own the Bible. And all of a sudden, through the preaching of the Word, I began to realize that indeed there is a God, a God who loves me, and a God who not only loves me, but who has the power and is willing to change my life completely. And He brought me up out of the miry clay and put my feet on the rock and established my going and put a new song in my mouth. And that's exactly what he wants to do for every person here. You don't have to live your life in fear. You don't have to worry about what you can't do or what others can't do for you. You have a God that's bigger than any problem you'll ever encounter. And he stands ready to help you this morning if you'll trust him. Will you trust him this morning? Maybe you're here and you say, "Well, preacher, I know that I'm saved, and I know I'm going to heaven when I die, but I'm I'm just tied up in. All I do is worry and fret. I'm scared to death of this and that and the other." Listen, you can you can lay that burden down this morning. The Lord says, "Casting all of your cares upon me," He says, and that's what you need to do. Just cast that heavy load upon Him and trust Him. And if you're here and you've never received Christ as your Savior, you'll never have a better time to do it than here. It might be that you'll never have another opportunity. That poor family going to church just the other night on their way to church. If I got it right, I think the mom had already gone on and was there and wondered, you know, where the husband and the kids, were. are they? And all of a sudden they hear about a hear about a terrible wreck that had taken place. And unbeknown to her, members of her family had gone out into eternity. Folks, we never know. Don't presume, don't presume on God that you'll have another chance. This could very well be the last opportunity for someone this morning. Don't waste it. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, that means you, whosoever believeth. He didn't say you have to climb a mountain or swim the widest sea or anything else. If you'll disbelieve, that is if you'll distrust Him, He promised He would save you today. Would you do that? We're going to stand and extend this invitation this morning. We want to encourage you to come. Those awaiting baptism, if you would please, we've already acted, I think, on 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 everyone. And so uh, if you would just be dismissed right back through that door there, there'll be someone there to help you and assist you to get ready for that. But if you're here this morning, God's speaking to your heart, it might be it might be that you've just been overcome with fear to the point that you you just want to come this morning, and say, Lord help me. Help me. I don't know how I got in this mess, but I know You're the only way out of it. And I'm going to bring all of my burdens and lay them down before You. Would You trust Him? Father, bless us just now. Accomplish Your will in each of our lives this morning. God, help us to not resist. Help us, Heavenly Father, to not delay. But help us, Lord, to just cave in to Your will for our life. May some poor lost soul be saved here this morning. May every person here be encouraged in some way and better equipped to face the fears of life. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Now as we sing,